Okay, at this time we are blessed to have our sermon for today brought to us by our pastor Steve Andrews, aptly titled, Atonement. That thing stopped. Um, greetings on this God's fasting slow day slow fasting day No, it's a beautiful day it's a wonderful opportunity that God has given us to worship on the day of atonement and to understand it fuller I was uh, sitting as I was preparing the message and I got to thinking about words. You know, our, that's what we do. <laughs> we preach in words. And I was thinking about the words that go with, sometimes that go with atonement. And it's almost like everything in the Bible is somewhat connected to, to atonement, isn't it? What God is doing. His very work that he is accomplishing. So I was looking at, uh, thinking about, of course, the word atonement right off the bat. And we look at that. And then the word sin. We talk about sin and the, the, the spring holy days, and now we're talking about sin again because it is integral part of the of the atonement, what God is doing. Um, the word better, I love that word, especially in the book of Hebrews. Right hand. Think about some of these words. Maybe they'll pop up. I don't know. All of these words that I was thinking about might not be in my sermon today. But you could go look them up. Redemption. Redemption. Reconciliation. Salvation. High priest. Advocate. Eternal life. Propitiation. Testament. Sanctuary. And minister. Now, I could go on <laughs> with just single words, but I guess we should get to the heart and the meat of the message of the Day of Atonement. So let's turn to where we find it laid out by God in. Anybody know? Sure, you do. Leviticus 23. And if anyone is joining us today, I hope you are blessed on this Day of Atonement uh, on the Internet. And we um, are welcoming you today on this Day of Atonement if you are there. Beginning in verse 27. All of the holy days are laid out. And these are not, as I said at the Feast of Trumpets, these are not mine. They begin to the Lord he is the one that laid them out. He is the one that says they're his. This is the things that he wants us to observe and to understand. And I'm going to turn that on because that shadow over there came to me. <laughs> so in the beginning, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, so in verse 26, he's, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, and my, this, this is all in red. And so this is all what he said. Also on the tenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy, it shall be a holy convocation. 
to you and to your and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire of the Lord. Now we've already um, gone through uh, in a previous sermon recently on Isaiah 58. And if you want to go through that and learning about fasting and the importance of fasting and all of that, you could go back here and look at that. But that's what it means to afflict your souls, to go without, as the first message, to go without water, to go without food for this 24 hours that he's called us to do this. You shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. And that arises a lot in, the, uh, in what God is doing to make an atonement. Kapur actually means to cover. To cover. And so that's what that is. This is Yom Kippur. If you want the Hebrew for it, probably mispronouncing it, but this is Yom Kippur. Day of atonement. Make a covering for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. And whatsoever soul that does not uh, does any work in that same day, the same soul will destroy, my will destroy from among uh, his people. You shall do no manner of work in it. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. And it shall be to you a Sabbath of rest. Now truly, and my wife loves this day because it truly is a Sabbath of rest. She usually is always preparing something for either a potluck or for the snacks. Well, today she can rest uh, completely and totally, touching nothing in the kitchen. In fact, she's got no's everywhere. No do this. No do that. Don't get any close to that. Don't touch this. Uh, wait a minute. There's something down here. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Oh, boy. This is just perfect. Ooh. Oh, spiritual water. Yes. This is, I can't even tell that I took it. <laughs> Beautiful stuff. Anyway, that's what it's all about. We are fasting on this day, and we're afflicting our souls, and it's a total day of rest. In the ninth day of the month at even, from even to even, shall you celebrate your Sabbath. And so we even understand when we're supposed to start the Sabbath, at the beginning of the evening, as the sun goes down. And for those of you who are counting the clock, somewhere around close to, I think, close to seven, Somewhere around that um, will be the end of the Sabbath. But it has a lot of great meaning, and, and it's a tremendous day, and there's a lot of things in the Day of Atonement. There's an, also another event that happens on the Day of Atonement, and it's called Jubilee. It's the 50th year, and we'll read a little bit about it here, because they blew the shofar horn on Jubilee. So here it is. It's beginning in chapter 25 and beginning in verse 8. And I don't think I gave this one to Brian, but um, I wanted to include it because it is part of this, um, what was commanded to be kept, especially on the Day of Atonement. And you shall number seven Sabbaths of years to you. Seven times seven years in the space of seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you forty and nine years. Then shall you cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day 
of the seventh month in the day of atonement shall you make the trumpet sound. And that trumpet was the shofar horn that was to be blown um, throughout all of your land. And you shall hallow the 50th year, proclaim liberty throughout all the land and all the inhabitants thereof, and it shall be, to you, uh, shall be a jubilee to you. And you shall return every man to his possession, and you shall return every man to his family. A jubilee shall, be, shall that 50th year be to you. You shall not sow, neither reap that which uh, grows of itself in it, nor gather the grapes in that of your vine uh, undressed. For, in, uh, for it is the jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat the increase thereof in the field. In the, in the year of this jubilee, you shall return every man to his, to his possession. One thing that's interesting about Jubilee, that if the Israelites were following the commandments of God and doing what he says and doing the land Sabbaths and living the kind of life that God had commanded him, and you remember the blessings that are in there, they would bless the land, bless the, God would bless it. So the, this 50th year, this Jubilee year in which they did not have to, to work, they were getting the bounty off of the land, that's because God was going to bless them in that jubilee year. They were going to be blessed. Bounty was there. And God said he would bless them. And in fact, part, I think, of what the Day of Atonement is, is God's mercy and blessings that he wants to under, us to understand and how he's working it out for us to be in the kingdom, to have, as one of those words, eternal life, to be in the kingdom forever and ever. Well, a ritual that was to be done on this day was found in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. And we, we read it every year, and one of the things that, um, that I want to focus on this year is not so much on Leviticus 16 as it is on the high priest work. The high priest is commissioned to do this by Moses as a commandment from God. And what is the, the end result of it? It was to cover the sins of the Israelites. Because that's what Kippur means. It's a covering. It's to cover it up. They've already sinned, brethren. There's nothing they can do. It's a sin. If you've committed adultery, if you've committed you know, a sin, the only way, because it's already done, the only way you can do it is to cover it up so that it's no longer visible or seen or a part of it. And so, all of this was to cover the sins of their Israelites. And it, is a, it was the job the very grueling job of the high priest as he was to do all of the sacrificing. And, in one, and he only could go into that Holy of Holies once a year. And no one else entered that. They never went into there except for once a year. And so we know from what Reg made, made the comment, this is a type that was looking into the future. And so we see all the types. And I, I, so with that in mind, because I'm going to focus on our high priest 
that is actively working today. This high priest, Aaron, is dead. He's in the grave, waiting for the resurrection. Our high priest is active and alive and working. And he wants us in the kingdom of God. So, we can get a lot from these few verses here at the end. Let's go to verse 29. It says, And it shall be a statue for you <clears throat> forever to you, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls. Do no work at all, whether it be one of your own country or the stranger that sojourns among you. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. So here is the key to what the high priest was doing. To make an atonement for you. To cleanse you. God's merciful. I mean, the Israelites were physical beings. Uh, they were... Uh, they were physical. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They, they sinned. They, uh, they did things that God was upset with. Uh, they made golden calves. They, uh, they wanted to go back to Egypt. They had all kinds. They murmured all the time. God was, loved them so much. He was so merciful to them. And he wanted them to be sin free. And so once a year, he provided the means for them to be sin free. For one day, maybe. <laughs> that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It shall be a Sabbath of rest to you, and you shall afflict your souls by the statue forever. And the priest whom, shall, uh, whom he shall anoint, and whom he shall consecrate to minister in the priest's office in his father's stead, shall make the atonement. And if you go back and look, there are several make the atonement. That is... The, the, that is exactly what this was all about, making the atonement. And shall put on the linen clothes, even the holy garments. And he shall make an atonement for the holy sanctuary. He shall make an atonement for the tabernacle of congregation. And for the altar, and she, he shall make an atonement for the priest. And for all the people of the congregation. And this shall be an everlasting statute to you. To make an atonement for the children of Israel for all your sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. And so they, they began this, this yearly thing in which they, there were various sacrifices, that, uh, including the two goats, in which one of them had to have a lot, the Azazel goat, which the, all the sins were pronounced on that goat, and it was taken by a, a man out into the wilderness. The other one was sacrificed. He could not go in without blood and the sacrifice of the blood. And now we're going to see how that works out and what that was a type and looking forward into the future. But realizing that all of sin comes short of the glory of God, we understand that it's still present, isn't it? Even in us who have God's Holy Spirit. We sin. We make mistakes. We do things. And so we need help. Let's go over to Romans, the third chapter. And we need a powerful, powerful high priest. And I want you to understand there is one that is sitting right now, whether he's sitting or, or working or whatever it is, and he's watching down on all of his children and all those that are a part of his house, because we're going to read about that. We're a part of his house. All of those that are a part of his house who are keeping this day of atonement, 
who are wanting to be in the kingdom of God, wanting to understand deeper, more fully what God is doing in each one of our lives. So in Romans, the third chapter, and verse 23, we're very familiar with these. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And there's one of those words. The redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God has set forth to be a propitiation. That's a long word. <laughs> An appeasement. Satisfaction. Um, through faith. In his blood. To declare his righteousness. For the remission of sins. That are passed through the forbearance of God. So we see here in just these three verses. The plan of God. On the day of atonement. Redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The propitiation and the remission of sins. Let's go to Romans the 6th chapter. Also, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So here's another word. Eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's one of the things that we, we can count on. The way, we know the wages of sin. What is the result of being sinful? If we don't repent, you're going to die. And you're not going to, to make it into the kingdom. You're going to be in the lake of fire. That's the wages of sin. It's death. It's permanent death. The second death. But the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In 1 John, more beautiful, beautiful scriptures on these days. And you think about, um, think about what, 1 John, the second chapter, what God is doing. My little children, these things I write to you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. With the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Those that don't believe in God, or those who are you know, believing in something else, don't understand that we, when we go before, before God, we have an advocate. He is what we, we would, what would be called a defense attorney. He has, he's, he's our defense attorney. And so when we sin and we know that we need to, to, to repent, we can go and we can say, Jesus, this is my sin. Please go before the Father. Tell him that I am very sorry that I have sinned and come short of, his, of the glory. He is our advocate. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not ours only but for but also for the sins of the whole world so you see how this works out so um, that word of propitiation can mean appeasement um, in this particular instance and there's uh, you you need to go through and, and if you've got a uh, 
ESORT or something, you can look these up a little bit more in depth if you would like. Um, I want to read a little bit more here. And hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him, and keeps not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keeps his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we, uh, that we are in him. And he that says he abides in him ought also uh, to walk even as he walked. And so we are to live as Jesus lived to the best of our ability. In 410, in the same book, just one verse. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It says propitiation, but that's exactly what that one means. It is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So on the day of atonement, we also understand the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So all of the, the holy days work together so beautifully and help us to understand the work that God is doing for all the world. We get the blessing of a deeper, more profound understanding. But the whole world is going to benefit in the kingdom. The whole world. And especially when the resurrection comes and those that have never understood, um, my mom, my dad, others that have come along that I've known that, have, that just did not understand and I wish that they had them, they're going to understand and they're going to be there. And we'll be with them. And so there's, there's a great hope to being a part of the kingdom and, and trying to have a deeper, more fuller understanding of what God is doing. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15. Normally, I wouldn't turn to that, but I found an interesting, some interesting verses here about Jesus because with, with what we're talking about, the work that he's doing, he has to have been resurrected. And Paul is adamant about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Of all the things that are written, Paul is, in this 1 Corinthians 15, he must have been arguing and powerfully arguing about this, that there was a resurrection and that, and that it had to occur and that it had to be, or you're, you're still in your sins and you're going, to, you're going to die eternally. He says, um, let's see where I wanted to, verse 13, he says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. In other words, that word actually means worthless. All of this I've been saying is just worthless if Christ has not been resurrected. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that uh, the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. And then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only you have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead, become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And so we, 
we look at this and we realize, and in the, the verse 23, every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards they are at Christ's coming. And then we know there's a progression of those that will be resurrected. We desire that day to be with Christ, to be in that first resurrection. So, we, I'd like to ask, let's, let's look and see what the high priest, Jesus Christ, is doing today. All the time, working constantly. He's an, he's an eternal being. He doesn't have to sleep. If you, if, you, if you wake up, let's say you wake up in the middle of the night, it's raining outside, it's like 2 in the morning. You can, you can go to God. And you can talk to God. You can talk to Jesus. They're there. They're available. 24-7, as they, as they say. We're open 24-7. God never shuts the phone off. He's always available. He is always there. And you can always talk to Him. And He's always compassionate to His children, who you and me are. We are His children. So let's look at the book of Hebrews has to say about the priesthood of Jesus Christ, about what's going on, what's happening, what's, what's being developed, what's continuing on today. Even though this was written a very long time ago, it is as fresh as, it, as if it had been written today. Wherefore, holy brethren, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, partakers of the heavenly calling. That's us, us here in this room. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. And that's what we're doing today. On this day of atonement, we're going to consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also was uh, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch that he, was, he, he who has built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to, uh, to be spoken after. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. There is a this, this tremendous amount of, of, of um, relationship with Christ here in holding those things and rejoicing together in understanding that we are all together a part of him and his house that he is building and he will continue to build into the kingdom. I'm going to, I'm going to skip chapter 4 here, the end of chapter 3 and chapter 4, but understand that the Sabbath and the rest that's coming is going to be glorious. It's going to be a wonderful thing. And it, it does give warnings in here about turning our back on the things that we understand. And I'm so glad that there are those who continue to keep and fast on the, on the holy day, uh, on the day of atonement, and keep God's beautiful holy days. 
In chapter 5 and verse 1, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason thereof he should, as for the people, also, also for himself to offer for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears to him that was able to save him from death and was heard that it, uh, in it that he feared. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. So here we're looking at salvation now. Eternal salvation. Not just uh, temporary salvation. Not just being saved from our sins that we committed, but eternal salvation into the kingdom of God to all them that obey. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when in times you ought to be teachers, you have need to have someone teach you. And I'm going to skip that part of it. I think you understand the, uh, that part. Let's go to, to chapter 7. Because we're going to get into the meat of what is going on here. And, and I'm going to skip over to verse 11. I know it does talk about in the Melchizedek, a, a king of, uh, of Salem and then that. But I, I want to focus on what Christ is doing. And what Christ is, is um, his responsibility. And what he is called and where he's at. If therefore perfection were by Levitical priesthood. For under it the people received the law. What further need was there for another priest that should arise after the order of Melchizedek? This is uh, chapter 7, verse 11. Um, and not called after the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed, there is a necessity of change also of the law. And for of whom these things are spoken pertains to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And is yet far more evident uh, for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest, who is made not after the flesh, uh, not after the law of carnal commandment, but after the power of an eternal endless life. The power of an endless life. And that's what Jesus is right now. He's he has an endless life. He's there. He's constantly aware of each and every one of us. And he, For he testifies, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is, a, uh, there is verily a, a, a nulling of the commandment going before, uh, um, before for the weakness and un, unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope 
did by which we draw near to God. And so here, I mean, you're going to see, in, the, in fact, in the book of Hebrews, the, the word better pops up quite a bit. And so here's the word better. By which we draw near to God. And as much as not with, without an oath, he was made a priest. For those priests are made without an oath, but this was with, uh, with an oath by him that uh, said to him, The Lord swore and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So his priesthood is after this order of Melchizedek. And it's a permanent priesthood that he has. But so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. That, that word testament can also mean covenant or agreement. And so we see um, and surety is a guarantee. The word surety means a guarantee of a better testament. So we, we get the word testament and we get the word better here. And they truly were many priests because they were not permitted to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continues ever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able to also save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. What a beautiful high priest we have. He's holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. Can't get much better than that. What a, what a wonderful being we worship. Who needs not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law makes men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of oath which was since the law makes the son who is consecrated forevermore. Now these things, chapter 8, which we have spoken, this is the son. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister of the sanctuary and of the tabern uh, true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. It's interesting. So we have a minister. So he does have responsibilities. You know, ministers have responsibilities. Christ has responsibilities. He is a minister of that sanctuary that is in heaven. And it's the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. So, there's a lot of mess, a lot to be learned in chapter 8, and I'm going to leave it for you all to go back if you want to and really dig into it as there is a whole lot in all of Hebrews. But I want to get to the meat of, of it in chapter 9 and chapter 10. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and, worldly, and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread which is called the sanctuary. And after the, the second veil, the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all which had the golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant, overlaid round about with gold, wherein was a golden pot that had manna 
Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. We're very familiar with how they, they, what they had to do before they could ever go in. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. And the Holy Spirit, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and different washings, carnal ordinances imposed on them into time of reformation. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come, so all of this, all of those things were looking forward. They were a type looking into the future when Christ would take his position at the right hand of the Father. He is the high th- priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with the hands that is say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. And I know the words for us are in italics, probably in most of your Bibles. But who would it be for? It has to be for us. Eternal redemption for all of mankind. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of heifers, sprinkling unclean uh, sacrifices to the purifying in the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You see how we even go back, we even look, the author, Paul, looks back to the Passover. Doesn't he? He looks back to the Passover, to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that stake. And that blood that was shed that day The innocent blood that was shed. And for this cause, he is the mediator. So I didn't write that one down, but there's another one. The mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. It was important for Jesus Christ to be to be the high priest so that all of this could be worked out so that we could be in the kingdom of God and that's what they're doing today constantly preparing preparing for us to be in the kingdom at the resurrection and doing all of this to prepare for us that we might be the glory to all the the first in the first resurrection those are that will be resurrected in the first resurrection and then those that will come along for where a testament is there must also necessarily be the death of the testator for a testament is in force after men are dead otherwise there's no strength at all 
while the testator lives. Whereupon neither the first, um, it says testament is in, in italics, which decide, uh, dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people, according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God has adjoined to you. Moreover, he sprinkled the blood with both, um, uh, sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And, and we see that. They had to sacrifice. And they sacrificed a lot of animals. Thankfully today, uh, I don't know, uh, would any of us be that, co that ex uh, excited about having to, to be participating as uh, if we were having to, uh, you know, if we were Levites and having to, to do all the sacrifices that they did, because they did a lot. Every holy day was had many sacrifices. We have one sacrifice. That sacrifice was Jesus Christ. And so they made a change, necessary for a change. Also in the priesthood. And so Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. For Christ has not entered into holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into the heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he have also... Uh, he, he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the world, or the end of this age, has he appeared to put away sin for the sacrifice of, by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed a man once to die, but after this the judgment. And so we, we, even in the book of Hebrews, even while we're explaining it, we see the process that God is going through in the redemptive process in bringing his children into the kingdom. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and to them that looked for him shall he appear the second time without sin to salvation. In chapter 10 now. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of things, can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then when they not have ceased to be offered, because the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices there was a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you would not, but a body have you prepared me. That's Psalm 40, verse 6. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do your will, O God. Above then he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you would not, neither had pleasure therein, 
which are offered by sin, uh, by law. Then said he, Lo, I come to you, uh, come to your, do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The word sanctified, set apart. We are, we are holy, we are set apart. Through the offering of the body of, Christ, of Jesus Christ once and for all. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. There's the right hand. He sits at the right hand of God. That actually can mean the, um, that he has the authority. He's been given the authority. To sit at the right hand means the authority. I always, when I first came to the church, I thought, you know, God, the Father, Jesus Christ, they're always sitting down. You know, <laughs> they never move. They never get up. They, they, don't, they don't wander around. They always are sitting. Well, the, the point is, is, it's not that. It is that this is, author, this is Christ has given authority. And, and I'm sure that he is uh, very much able to, to, to do whatever the Father wants him to do and, 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 and power and, and, and everything that is, is, is willed that they do. From here, um, hereafter, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that were sanctified. Whereof the Holy Spirit also is witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put their laws, put my laws in their hearts and in their minds, and I will write them. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore brethren boldness. And I think this is one of the most beautiful scriptures in the Bible. Opening the door for us to go to God. Having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. By a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith. There, there seems to like, throughout all that, we, that we've been reading, there is like this spiritual plan for, for all of us through Jesus Christ. As our high priest, our advocate, who has sacrificed his life, who has given it, that we might be a part of that kingdom and that we have a part in it today. So, let's draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure waters. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as we see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge 
Of the truth, there remains no sac nor sacrifice for sins. So I, <clears throat> I was going to stop there and, and just let it know, be known that Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. Their work is constant every day, day in and day out, with a plan for all of whoever will come to be in their kingdom. And that is, is part of the, uh, is what Jesus, as our high priest, as our advocate, is sitting there right now. And if you need to go to him at any time, you can. And you can invoke the power of the name of Jesus Christ at any time. And by the way, Satan has no power over any of us by, because Jesus has already defeated him. He's just waiting for that day when he will be put away. Because some, we all believe at one time that this also had something to do with the putting away of Satan. We know that there will be an angel that will come down from heaven having a key to the bottomless pit, a great chain in his hand, laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. It, it's going to be one of the angels that's going to touch him. God, Jesus, none of us are going to mess with him. <laughs> he, he is not going to be a part of what we are doing. And he, has, and he definitely has to be chained up. He has to be put away. Or there will be no peace on this earth. And we know that a lot of things that happen in this world are fomented by uh, the undercurrents, the spiritual undercurrents that Satan puts together. But brethren, we do have a powerful high priest who is sitting at the right hand of God who has a tremendous plan for us, and all those things that we read in the Bible will come true when we are in the kingdom, and we will be able to see them for, uh, because we're going to be able to see them as they are. There'll be some in this room that will be um, leaving and won't be here on the Sabbath. We will have Sabbath services. So I wanted to just say God be with you. God bless you. God keep you uh, on, your, on your journey. And that God uh, bless this wonderful Feast of Tabernacles that's coming up. Another part of the plan of God when all those things will be set up on this, on this earth and that God and Jesus Christ and all of us will be a part of that. I look forward to that day. I hope you do too.